Running Sentences presents A Cold, Cold War, Part 3. Running Around with Hope. Evgeny finds himself once again on the run as everything closes in around him. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, place, events, locales, and instances are a product of the author's imagination or used in a fictitiously silly manner, or just a fictitious one. Any resemblance to actual people, living, dead, or actual events is purely coincidental. The author would also like to apologize in advance for any mispronunciations of names, characters, and places, as he's only good with English, and even that is a bit of a struggle most of the time. Copyright 2021, Michael Henry. All rights reserved. Evgeny stumbled out of the hotel, his mind reeling as he tried to figure out what he should do next. He also was questioning whether or not that was Misha's body he saw inside the room. It certainly looked like her feet. But then again, he never paid attention to her feet. Sound of sirens broke him out of his reverie, and he looked around to get a better sense of what was going on around him in the streets. It was then that he noticed a man with a trench coat slowly but steadily coming towards him. Not wanting to find out what this man wanted, he turned and headed the other way, down the street, looking for anything that might lose him in the crowd. Up in Misha's hotel room, however, two men had entered what was Misha's room with a long trolley. One of them went over to the bed to rip a sheet off of it, then went over to the body to drop the sheet onto it. With this accomplished, they'd wrapped up the body of Misha into a blanket and dropped it onto the trolley's hidden compartment, and they exited the room, whistling as if nothing had happened. Despite his best effort to rush around, Evgeny could not seemingly shake the man following him. He'd managed to get all the way back to Letna Park near the entrance, having tired only himself out. The man was rapidly approaching as the car pulled up. Evgeny Kucherov. Evgeny straightened up and tried to look the man dead on, but there was something oddly off about him. Yes, and who are you? The man pulled out a badge to show it to Evgeny, who inched closer but tried to keep his distance. He also tried to pull the badge away, but the man wouldn't let it go. I'm working for the great Soviet Republic, just like you. That's all you need to know. I only recognize this as the insignia of the Commissar to the Special Branch of the Kremlin, but that means nothing to me. What is it you want? To get you into the car I have, or I have a story for you. As the man said that, Evgeny caught sight of two big men getting out of the car in a typical cliché fashion. What's the story? It is of a new government agency established to help make sure that people do not stray into the grasp of the capitalist society. This new organization, which might be called the Center for Relearning about the Great Grand Ways of the Soviet Union, has taken an interest in you. I have done nothing to deserve such treatment. He had started backing away a few paces in general fear as the two big men came around quickly so that they were standing beside him on either side. Good, then you'll have no issue with talking to us. Into the car, please. This, however, wasn't going to happen as Evgeny turned and ran. The two guards were at first surprised, then grinned to one another and took off after him. On the other hand, the man sighed and then slowly strolled after them taking his time to walk down the sidewalk, and the sight of Evgeny running down the road with the two men slowly catching up. 
It took a few mere minutes to catch up to the winded Evgeny, who was already tired and, while in shape, wasn't in the greatest shape that would allow him to keep running. The two goons grabbed either side of him and directed him towards the side of the road, where the car had pulled up beside them. In a swift motion, Evgeny found himself stuffed into the car as the man who threatened him strolled up and went around to the passenger side of the car and got in as well. They were soon puttering off down the road. On the other side of town, on the sidewalk, Frank was wandering away from the U.S. secret office, deep in thought and trying to get a grasp on all that had happened recently, when the back of his neck was suddenly grabbed. Ow, 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 ow. Yarmir released his grasp on Frank's neck and patted him on the back. Relax, Frank, it's only me. Yarmir, what are you doing? Shouldn't you be a little more cautious about approaching me in broad daylight? I hear that the secret police are keeping a careful watch on my business. I would avoid you if I could, but the Soviets are acting weird, and the British are acting kooky, as you would say, and something is up. Yes, I noticed that as well, though only informally through various friends and not through actually seeing anything. Yarmir fixed him with a look that said he didn't believe a word he said. So Frank offered him a grin. What is it that you want exactly, Detective Yarmir? Information. Something I can give to the Soviets so that they will leave me alone, and I can get back to my job. I see. Well, I suppose I could give you something. I do have some information, as long as you promise to leave me alone for a little while after this. They have a mole in their presence. That should at least get them to start looking at themselves instead of you, maybe. Is that information real, Frank? Yarmir, unless you want to be a spy, I suggest that you keep clear of trying to find out whether it is or isn't. It would be best to pass it along with the caveat that it's from a friendly source and that you don't know much. Well, give me something more than just a mole. They won't buy that. You're dealing with Soviet mole, British, silly French. They should look both directions before they jump into any matters. Yarmir opened his mouth to protest that this was not a good answer. However, Frank had started walking away at a rapid pace and was soon too far out of shouting distance to bother. Taking the hint that he'd already gotten all the information he was going to get, Yarmir headed for his nearby car. Frank had wandered down the road that evening, still rubbing the spot where Yarmir had grabbed him, had gone down the road and crossed town towards the cafe meeting spots where he could usually find the British. He was still rubbing the spot where Yarmir had grabbed his neck, and when he slid and crossed from the seat, Timothy, who looked rather down. The cafe around them was buzzing with activity as the dinner crowd was gathering. How did you like our little present known as Evgeny Kucherov, Mr. Miller? Timothy jerked his head up as he'd been lost in thought and was semi-surprised to see Frank sitting across from him. He was fine, but we had to let him go due to technicalities and, well, he wasn't what we wanted. But thank you for keeping us in the loop, Mr. Frank. Yes, and about being caught up in the loop since we are allies to an extent. Perhaps now you'd like to come clean about another operation you have going on? I have, by the way, already figured out that Evgeny was a cover for another operation. I have no idea what you're talking about. I see. Well, that's disappointing to Mr. Miller. I was hoping to clear the air, but that's the way it is. It was at this point that a waiter came by and Frank briskly ordered water while Timothy ordered another stiff drink. As soon as the waiter was gone, Frank turned back to his associate. 
are you sure you want to go down that road? You wouldn't be interested in a, say, ex-KGB agent who happened to be in town looking for a new home? Instead of answering, Timothy grabbed what remained of his drink off of the table and took a, a swift, stiff drink so that he could keep his stiff upper lip. No answer? Fine, be boring, Mr. Miller. Uh, Frank moved to get out of his chair and then sat back down. Oh yes, by the way, it is a pity that you got rid of Evgeny. He is actually somewhat useful. We don't need an average mill manager of rocket engines and missiles. We have enough of those back home. As do we, but that wasn't my point. The story I heard about Evgeny was that he and this so-called ex-agent were close to one another and they could be used to capture one another or something. But that was just a story. As Frank got ready to leave again, the waiter came back with the drinks and Frank never wanted to leave water untouched down to his glass and departed. Timothy, on the other hand, sat back and smiled slowly, sipping his new stiff drink. Ah, the Americans. Still ever the suckers. Thinking we don't know things. It's a good thing he doesn't know that Evgeny is now our informant. Now I just need to figure out how to get to him and use him. He quickly finished off his new stiff drink and signaled to the waiter who came over and paid up so he could get out of the cafe. Later that night, a few kilometers or miles down the road, Sergei popped out of a club looking for some fresh air and to smoke in peace. He wandered towards a parking lot where a car turned its lights on. He raised his eyebrows at the side and carefully wandered over until it was clear that it was Frank Gordon in the vehicle. He relaxed a bit as he walked over to the driver's side window and rolled down as he came over. How's the night treating you, Sergei? Probably better than it is treating you. Have you come out to see me? It is surprisingly about a guinea. What about that man? Shouldn't you be busy trying to capture him? Yes, I suppose I could, but the thing is he's vanished thanks to some KGB agents. I only tell you this because someone on my side said that you should know that something was off. I should know about that if it was to happen. Well, now that you know that something is up, my job is done for now. This is nonsense. Stop lying. As if I would not know that something was up. I'm not lying. Go search for yourself, Mr. Sergei. By the way, we still have our other deal on, right? Sergei paused as he considered this and then offered a nod as he turned away. Frank nodded back, though, Sergei having turned away from him and was walking away lighting a cigarette. He was unsure if things were still good. He shrugged and got his car into gear so that he could leave. Sergei had continued walking away from the nightclub, casting glances over his shoulder to make sure that he wasn't being followed as he hurried away. A good distance away, he slowed up near two parked cars, his associate Dmitri getting out of the first one. Sergei, are our plans still in the works? For the British, yes, the Americans are trying to mess with us, though. Tread carefully as things are still in the air. Then I should push the Brits to go after Evgeny once again? Yes, yes, please do that. I have some other matters to look into and I'll circle back to see what's going on tomorrow night, okay? Dimitri didn't reply, instead got back into his car and took off. This left Sergei standing there until he decided that this it wasn't a good idea to just stand around and he was wasting time. He headed over to the second car, fetching car keys from the sun visor and got the car going. 
The next morning, Timothy was wandering through the maze of a fake front office that the British were using as a base of operations. He never felt comfortable walking through this section, as it always felt a little like he was giving a massive signal that something was off about the place. His concern grew doubly as his boss, Sinclair, saw him and came over far too quickly. Mr. Miller, how are things going? Confused at the moment, sir, but that is mostly on the side of the Americans and the Soviets who can't seem to get out of their own way. Well, that's something, I guess. And as long as we follow the plan that I gave you, like the stick in the mud and stickler for following said plans, we should be fine. Are you following the plan? I, yes, I am following your plan. There is, there is one thing that has fallen through the cracks, though. Oh, what happened? I finally found out who our source and defector are. Uh, it's uh, Misha Ivanov, who was close friends and sometimes partners with our friend Evgeny. Sinclair went pale and looked like he'd heard something distinctly that he did not want to hear. Come again. Misha is our target, and she's friends with Evgeny. Maybe lovers? Even? Maybe? She's dead. What? Our sources inside the station, namely Yarmir, said that a Soviet ex-agent of some sort was found dead by the river. Shit. To say the least. Now, we need to get Evgeny back, at least prove that we aren't wasting British resources. Sinclair straightened himself up to try and look good, but still did a bit of wobbling as he walked away, still pale from the news. Timothy also felt like wobbling about due to the fact that things had gone wrong, and promptly did so as he headed towards his desk. Across town, a car carrying Evgeny and his new friends pulled into a parking lot in an abandoned factory. The place to Evgeny looked like it had recently been something, but still managed to have the veneer of ill repair that came to a building that hadn't been kept up. The car headed straight towards a loading door that had a ramp up to it and came to a stop. One of the goons got out and opened the shuttered metal grate of a gate, and with that the car headed inside with this goon following them in to close it behind them. The car came to a stop inside this empty factory, and Evgeny was forced out of the car, followed by the other goon of a guard, and a man who sat up front directed them towards a door on a walled-off section of the factory, then as they got to the door, he opened it and let Evgeny walk through. When he got through, he found himself in what appeared to be a fully adorned apartment, when the door behind him suddenly slammed shut. When he turned to see what was going on, all he found was a smooth wall. Hey, let me out of here! This is kidnapping! When no one responded, he went over to where he figured the door had been and began banging on the wall looking for a way out. Time ticked by until another car drove into the abandoned factory parking lot. It too didn't pull into a parking spot but headed for the loading docks the other car had gone to. The vehicle seamlessly drove over to the loading gate which was guarded by a big merciless looking man. He stepped forward as the car pulled up to the gate and took a look in. His glance fell first on the driver, then to the passenger in the back. Satisfied with what he'd seen, the guard went back over to the gate and opened it. Once that was done, the car drove through and the gate was closed again. The car drove quietly through the abandoned factory until it found the spot where the other vehicle was parked and came to a stop next to it. A few seconds later, Henry Cart stepped out of the back of the car. He looked around and spotted the man who'd brought Evgeny here and headed over. The two shook hands, and then the man parted towards the fake apartment. 
Mr. Kucherov is the little is in the little containment area that we've had built. Yes, and if you could please get rid of him so that he doesn't come home, you could easily do that yourselves. I mean, you guys do that all the time. Isn't gulag your favorite word? True, we could, but why waste space in a camp or a bullet when we can make him someone else's problem? Gee, thanks for that. The man then signaled for his compatriots to get into their car, which they did, and they were soon taking off. Henry, on the other hand, was left standing in front of the door to the fake apartment, trying to decide when the best moment would be to burst through the door. After waiting for a little while, he charged through, not sure what his timing would be. The sight that Henry saw when he came charging through the door was that of Evgeny, half hanging out of a fake ventilation shaft that was being used to bring in air, but one couldn't get out that way due to the variety of filters in the way. Henry stood there and stared for a second. What are you doing? Evgeny did his best to try and get himself out of the van, but having gotten himself stuck a little too far in, so he could only kick his legs about. Worse, he said he was so far in that he basically made it so that he could no longer get leverage with his legs to get himself out. Henry watched for a minute and then grew tired of watching for the endless kicks and moved to grab the man's legs and yanked him out. The Soviet scientist popped out and then the two fell over each other with Evgeny coming down on top of Henry. The two rolled about the ground trying to sort themselves out with Henry doing his best to recover from the sudden elbow to his stomach during the fall. Taking this chance, Evgeny sprang to his feet and looked to the suddenly still open doorway and took a few steps towards it before Henry had gotten back to his feet. Get away from me! Evgeny scrambled out as Henry collected himself and shook his head. Well, I was going to offer him a ticket home, but uh, she's going to be like that. Getting out of the fake apartment, Evgeny found himself back in the main building of the factory, only one man lingering near a car. The man looked over, but Evgeny raced off towards the loading gate that had been left open. He was gone by the time Henry had emerged from the fake apartment and headed over to his car. Take me down to the block, will you, driver? The driver then went over to the passenger side of the rear of the car and opened the door for Henry, who, who gingerly came over rubbing his stomach and got inside. Then the driver hurried around so that the two of them could leave. He left the abandoned factory and headed off down the road, and Evgeny was not too far off in the distance trying his best to run away. Henry's car, however, came to a stop next to a van parked off to the side. The window in the driver's side van rolled down, and Henry followed suit with his rear passenger window. Frank, I need you to make sure that our friend Evgeny does not wind up back in our hands, okay? Are we still doing this whole pretend we don't want him thing? Yes, we are. Now get to it. He's just down the road. With a shrug, Frank put his van into gear and began driving after the man that no one wanted. Meanwhile, Evgeny, who was doing his best to run, but not being in best of shape and having been run ragged the last few days, his breath and failure to exercise thanks to not caring for such things was catching up to him fast. He gave up on running and slowed to a jog, then to a fast walk, as he felt it was all he could currently do. As he pressed on, keeping his head on a swivel in case anyone popped up, he saw a van quickly approaching from behind. It drove a few feet in front of him and then came to a stop with Sergei jumping out of the van and rushing right up to him. I'm sorry, Evgeny, but you have to come with me. You! To this, Sergei punched poor Evgeny right in the face. 
The blow had enough weight behind it and probably helped it. Guinea's jaw was not the strongest thing in the world as it took the blow. This hit knocked him out and sent him crumpling to the ground. Not wasting any time, Sergei grabbed the scientist and dragged the man back into his van and tossed him inside. Then he jumped in himself and the van set off again. As they were driving, the van carrying Evgeny pulled and headed down the road, and the driver doing his best to get the vehicle moving at a comfortable speed. However, he noted in the side mirror that another van was closing in. Um, boss? What is it? We have company. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Drive through the city pretending to lose them. Uh, what? Just drive until we get to another abandoned area. The driver put his foot down and the van took a few seconds to respond, but it did respond, just slowly and not with a lot of gusto. The two vehicles began to race down the street with a third van lumbering its way, just off in the distance. The race of not going too fast or too slow ate into the afternoon as the lead van desperately looked for somewhere to turn off, but only once it got a little bit further away. However, the two other vans that were following weren't allowing for the slight escape. Several U-turns finally allowed for the van carrying of Guinea to break slightly away and head down a side street. Down this little dirt road, they found themselves in a small parking lot to an abandoned building and pulled in. A second after they stopped, the back door to the van was thrown open, and Sergei pushed the still rather unconscious Evgeny out. Then, with spinning wheels, they took off again. Frank's van was the first to arrive upon the scene, and he slowed his van, seeing a figure lying on the ground. He also caught up to the tail end of the Soviet van, leaving the scene of the crime, with the doors being closed by what looked to be Sergei. He came to a stop next to the figure of Genny, and once he realized who it was, looked back to see if there was a third van coming down the little road. Not so carefully following them, was still following them. It was as it turned down this side street. The third van pulled up as Frank's van sped out of sight. Out hopped Timothy from the passenger side front door to look over the man on the ground. He leaned down and felt for a pulse to make sure that Evgeny was still alive, only it was Evgeny's sudden movements that affirmed that this was the case. He helped the man into the back of the van, but tried his best to keep the man unconscious, and with Evgeny inside, he jumped back into the front passenger side, and they too took off. The van which carried Sergei arrived back at the Soviet consulate that night. It had taken a circuitous route around to make sure that any other vehicles that had been so nicely present earlier that evening weren't still around. With that done, they'd burnt the rest of the evening until nightfall, getting back to the underground parking lot below the consulate office. Once out of the van, Sergei found himself confronted by his subordinate Dmitri, who held a file. Having fun out there? No, it's been one mess into the next. You have something? File on what the Brits are up to. They are, as always, straightforward and to the point. Though, Moscow didn't seem to want to release the extra information I asked for. What about the Americans? I started digging, but it will take a little while. They seem to have hidden all of their stuff. The nearby elevator doors opened, and both of them turned to see their boss, Vasily, come out. He spotted them at once and came charging over. There you are, Sergei. What are you up to? Getting rid of Evgeny as ordered and trying to find out if there are any agents working for Moscow in the city but aren't working for us. We have another important matter to deal with. A Soviet citizen has died in Prague. 
I need you to deal with it, Sergei, in the morning. You have contacts in the police. Yes, sir. Find out what he knows and what has happened to this poor person. Anton Vasily looks over at Dmitri, who shakes his head in affirmation, in the affirmative. With his work done, the boss then stalks his way off towards his car. What now, Sergei? Keep looking into the Americans. I'll look into this new matter and we'll probably wind up with more complicated situations on our hand. The two nodded to one another and headed off to their respective cars. Sergei, who had gotten into his car and set off for home, was driving along at a normal speed when a car came up beside him and passed him. He took note of this for a second later as it cut off in front of him, not forcing him off the busy road, but still pushing him away. It then took up a position in front of him and slowed down. Curious to see what was going on, Sergei followed but reached over to a hidden spot on his bench car seat to make sure that his hidden CZ-52 was where it was supposed to be. It was. With that, he followed the car as it went down a few streets and then pulled off to the side of the road. Carefully following it, he pulled the car right in behind the car that had cut him off, his hand grasping for the pistol finding it without taking his eyes off the car in front. He opened his door and moved to step out as the driver of the other car did the same. When he saw that it was Frank Gordon, though, he relaxed a bit, but kept careful watch on the situation just in case he needed to reach for his pistol anyway. Frank, why did you cut me off? We needed to talk. Now, if you could put your gun back, please. Frank held out both of his hands to show that he wasn't holding one and then opened his jacket. There was no sign of a holster inside of Frank's jacket and Sergei found himself relaxing a little bit further, but still didn't trust the situation. Why do you think I would be carrying a pistol? Because it's what smart people do, Sergei. Now put it away and we can talk. Or you could just talk, Frank. Just talk. Frank sighed and then made a few wild gestures into the dark night, but because it was dark and shadows were playing havoc, Sergei couldn't see exactly what it was that he was doing. I believe that Yarmir told you that you have a mole, right? Yes, what of it, Frank? I was slightly wrong on that. Um, it does appear that some people are working for other people, but from what I found, it's purely ornamental crap, the usual standard scratching with backs kind of situation. That's what you wanted to tell me? That there's a mole, but it's not really a mole? I was, however, right about agents from Moscow doing their thing without checking in on you, though. And how would you know about such things? Sergey, I can't tell you that. Just know that I'm giving you a friendly warning to watch your back as people are doing things behind yours. To this, Sergei tightened the grip on his pistol and Frank stepped back into his car. He was still trying to decide what to do as Frank drove off and was soon out of sight. Out of frustration, he spat off to the side of the road and clambered back into his own car. Across town at the police station, Yarmir was staring at the interrogation room door, and he was wondering how he was going to approach this new situation that had been dropped into his lap. A dead body was missing, and now he had a suspect, but that suspect was handed over to him by Timothy Miller, and the there-but-not-there Brits. The captain of the station came strolling down the hallway and stopped next to him. Are you ready, Yarmir? Are, are you going in with me, Captain? We have a missing body and a suspect that was unconscious when we got him. 
I think this at least requires a bit of oversight, if only to give me a greater idea of what's going on. I need to hear the story for myself. Oh, of course, sir. You're most welcome to listen in and question anything. Yarmir found himself straightening himself up and standing straight for trying to be as straight as possible so that he was presentable to the captain as he reached out for the interrogation room door handle. As he opened it and then stood aside to let the captain go from first, he once again stood at attention so that the captain would see him in a good light. This brought him a moment to collect his thoughts as to what exactly he was to say to this man inside, this suspect, to get to the truth. The room they came into was a simple one. A table with three chairs greeted Yarmir as he came in. Sitting across from them was one Evgeny Kucherov. He looked dazed, lost, confused, and simply out of it. His boss, the captain, had pulled over one of the chairs and was already sitting down. Yarmir, however, decided at this moment he would like to stand and tower over this weird man. Evgeny Kucherov. Um, yes? Where is Misha Ivanov? I, I don't know. The captain leaned in on the handcuffed Evgeny, who slightly backed away at the sight of the man moving in on him. What do you mean you don't know, Mr. Evgeny? You are here as the secret lover despite being married to another woman, from what my sources tell me. Are you not? I don't know what you're talking about. Yarmir now two steps forward to try and put in on a more intimidating air. It would be better if you answered the questions. I, I can't answer what I don't know, gentlemen. So you deny knowing her, then? No, I know the lovely lady. I, I've spent much time with her, and we are friends, but I, I don't know where she is. The captain took on a friendlier air, sitting a little bit back. Then why were you seen coming out of the hotel room the day she disappeared? I went to visit her. She wasn't there, but the door was open. I, I... You're about to be charged with her murder, Mr. Kucherov. I suggest that you come up with something at least reasonable for your excuses. Evgeny went deathly pale at this, and his jaw went up and down, but nothing would come out. The captain offered a gruesome grin at the sight. You think about this for a while. We will be back. Evgeny, however, seemed to be lost in his thoughts that he might not ever have heard the captain, though since he was at least thinking it was what Yarmir wanted. However, he was also caught off guard when the captain grabbed him and pulled him out of the room. Outside of the in the interrogation room, the captain let go of Yarmir and slammed the door shut. There was thankfully no other officers around to see the sight as the captain looked annoyed and like he wanted to take all of his frustrations out on something. Is something wrong, sir? Give Kucherov another few minutes in there and cut him free. I want a detective watching him, but not you, Yarmir. As I need you bright and early tomorrow morning, we will be investigating, the two of us, the disappearance of the body, starting with the site where they claim this woman was found. Do you understand? Yarmir nodded furiously, and which was returned with a curt nod from the captain who stalked off down the hallway. It was then that Yarmir realized he'd accidentally held his breath and let go of it in rather dubious drawn-out form then set off to find some other cop to watch over the Soviet scientist. The night then rolled into the early morning, and Frank emerged from his bedroom apartment to find a woman sleeping on his couch. 
He stopped and stared at her for a second and then retreated back into his bedroom. In his bedroom, he took a second to dig out the hidden phone from all the paperwork he'd piled on it. The line was connected straight to the office, thus he figured it would be good to hide it under fake paper files. The only problem was he never had a chance to use it, and he forgot it was there in the first place and continued to pile paper on paper on paper as a result. It took a minute before his digging was rewarded, and he pulled the phone out of its hidden spot and put the receiver to his ear. Hello? Hello? Office? Yes. I was checking in to see if the boss had anything he wanted from me. Yes, bring the subject to a safe spot and inform them of what they must do. That is, if you haven't already done that. I haven't. Is that all? Isn't there no word on anything else? No. Alright. Inform the boss I'm doing what my job is and that I'm coming in after that. I might be a little late, though. The line clicked dead and he put the receiver back. He then stared at the phone a second before reaching behind it to disconnect it. He then took the phone and headed over to the window, which he opened and tossed the phone out of and closed the window, unsure of why exactly he'd gone through all of this. But it somehow felt like something that needed to be done in case of a situation were to arise. With that done, he headed back out to the living room and the sleeping girl. Across town, Yarmir, on the other hand, was wandering down the deck of a boat one that had recently seen a young woman tip over to the side of it while cruising down the river. They'd gotten the body from the river, but then once it had reached the morgue, it, well, it then vanished. A stiff stench was coming off the deck from nearby, and Yarmir looked about and found the, the captain of the boat was had a bottle with both hands and was giving trouble to some officers as he wasn't able to use his boat to make a livelihood. With a sigh, Yarmir moved past the distraction to look at the spot, knowing that there wasn't much to be learned. He arrived to find his own captain, carefully looking over the section of the ship, pacing out all of the steps. Captain? Good, you're here, Yarmir. Late as ever, but I guess it will just have to do. What do you think about what's happened here? Case of suicide? As there was no one spotted with the lady, she just decided to end it. Yes, it seems to make sense. Yet here we are, questions from the Soviet consulate about her, and then the body vanished. Something isn't right. Um, I, uh, sources and information have told me she was reported the uh, KGB agent. And how do we know that? Sources? People I've talked to? It seemed to be an open secret amongst certain elements, and uh, she was staying at a hotel that has known connections with certain Soviet agencies, from what I've heard. The captain, having grown bored of looking over the same piece of railing over and over again, turned with a serious look on his face. I hope, Yarmir, you aren't messing about in the world of spies. It's a bad business, that one. I'm not, sir. And unfortunately, you'll have to stick your nose into those matters. We need to know what's going on with them, and we need to make a report both to our superiors and to the Soviets. Step to it, Yarmir, and be quick. Make it believable. Then the captain briskly walked past, heading for the gangplank to get back on land as Yarmir tried to offer a salute. The effort went ignored, and he soon found himself alone with the ship's captain, whose breath seemed like it belonged in a drunken sea shanty. Unable to handle the stench, he too headed for the gangplank in safety. 
Frank sat in silence in his car. The young lady sat beside him as he pulled off to the side of the road in the middle of an unremarkable section of town. Quite a feat for Prague, as it has much charm to it. She looked at him and nodded as she got out and closed the door. He wondered if she would be okay, and scratched that thought as he knew that she was so strong despite her looks. Then he carefully eased his car back into the road and headed for the office. Meanwhile, Evgeny had finally gotten back to his hotel, but was stopped at the doorway and was stuck in a short argument with the doorman who was trying to decide whether or not he was a resident of the hotel. He was finally inside. The doorman had only slightly given up on the argument after a few minutes of back and forth, but he still followed him inside just to make sure. Evgeny did his best to ignore the man and headed to the front desk, the receptionist perking up as he approached. Hello, sir. How can I help you? I'm Evgeny Kucherov of room 13B. Have any messages come for me while I was out? He fished out his ID from his wallet and showed it to the receptionist who took it and then moved over to grab the room key. Both were handed back to Evgeny a second later with the receptionist shaking their head. Sorry, no messages or packages for you, sir. Okay, thank you. Tiredly, Evgeny headed for the elevator of the back of the hotel. He stopped only once to cast a long glare back at the doorman who was headed back to his spot and ignoring him. Having managed to get his way back to his room, Evgeny promptly fell onto the bed and did his best not to get up. Exhaustion, of course, was coursing through him and he could barely lift his head up or do much of anything. There was, however, a small stench coming off of his clothes, which annoyed him just enough that he wouldn't be able to fall asleep. He shook his tiredness away as he sat up on the bed and tried to take off his shirt, but was having little success when he heard a knock on the door that stopped. He looked over and, fearing that something was about to happen, bit his lip as he tried to figure out what he should do and scooted off of the bed. There was another knock, and he was sure that it was his door that it was being knocked on. He looked carefully over to see if the latch had been done up, and when he saw the door handle slowly turning, realized that he had not. A quick glance at his window told him that he did not have a way out of this, and the only place he might hide was under the bed or in his bathroom. He instantly ruled out the bathroom as it was a few steps too far away, and he had just gotten to his knees to get under the bed when the door came fully open. He found himself staring at the sight of a person as he tried to stand up. Wait, what? No. End of part three. Thank you for listening.